This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, you're listening to By the Book with Sharmila Ganesan and my fellow lover of surprising reads, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. So it's our monthly book club episode. And as always, we have a guest joining us for today's show. We have with us editor, publisher, all-round mentor for the local literary scene, Sharon Baka. Sharon, good to have you with us. Thank you. Yes, lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This month, we are quite excited to talk about last year's Booker Prize winner, The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida by Shehan Karunatilaka. And uh, really, it's a book that's been getting a lot of buzz. But worth saying also, a writer who, this is only his second novel ever. So lots to talk about. I wanted to kick things off by asking you, Sharon, because when I invited you to come do this with Lynn and me, your immediate response was, yes, and you have such a treat ahead of you for reading this book. Um, What were your initial impressions of the book? Absolutely loved it. Loved it from the first page and, uh, you know, enjoyed the whole journey. And I've now read it a second time. And I have to say, I enjoyed the second go through even more than the first. You know, to me, this this is a truly great book. It's not just a book that I enjoyed. I love it. I loved it too. What I especially liked about the book is that it is a truly satisfying read in that whatever it is you may be looking for, there's going to be something in there for you. There's the metaphysical, there's the philosophical, there's the historical, there's the action, there's the romance. There's there's just a lot to enjoy. And I think that for me was the most rewarding part of it because heading in, for some reason, my, my comparison point was to Marlon James and A Brief History of Seven Killings, yeah. which is a, a different book. I think it's just the... It's just the number, maybe, and the fact that it was um, rooted in historically difficult times for for a country that had me making that mental comparison. And they're very different books. Um, I forgot to mention that it's also very funny. And so I think that's the other element that that made it... I keep using this word, I'll probably keep using it, but that's the element that made it satisfying. Yes, yes. Very rich, very multi-layered and complex, very mm. complex indeed. And there's so many strands of plot in it. And yet at the end, it's very satisfying because everything is resolved so well. All those strands of plot come together um, just beautifully. Uh, the whole journey is an exciting one. Well, I, I love the book as well. I think it's worth perhaps summarizing, although I really don't want to give away too much, uh, but it's worth saying what the book is about. So it's yeah. set in Sri Lanka in the 80s, and it starts with the um, the titular character, Mali Almeida's death. Um, and so that's not a spoiler at all. In fact, it starts with his death, and the rest of the book is him trying to discover how he died and why he died. And this is set against the backdrop of the civil war that is happening in Sri Lanka at the time. Mali himself is a a conflict photographer. um, And so there is this mystery of um, that revolves around the photos he's taken, which is linked to his death. And then this also is linked to the people in his life, various yes. characters that he's come into contact with, both uh, fictional and in some cases also um, 
really related to Sri Lankan history. And to get back to what both of you were saying about the idea of this being a really satisfying read, for me, it came from the fact that often when writers take on such difficult, complex histories and and bloody histories, traumatic histories, it's a fine line, right? Because you're, you want to tell a really good story, but you also don't want to sell short the backdrop that you're telling that story against. And I felt like this book is almost a perfect coming together of those two halves. And that's what made it so satisfying for me. Yes. I, I mean, I, I must say I didn't know very much about the war in Sri Lanka. I guess I had tried to read newspaper articles and my eyes would sort of like glaze over before I got to the end of them. I didn't have that background. Um, but now, having read it twice, um, I'm so curious about it and want to go back and read. And for the first time, I'm caring about this piece of history. So uh, this novel has achieved something remarkable for me. I'd like to ask you both, though, in in relation to that, whether or not um, it might be a daunting, potentially daunting entry point for somebody who is um, maybe unfamiliar with everything, with all of it. And I bring this up only because um, I I had, uh, like you, Sharon, a sort of passing knowledge of it. I I understood, um, I thought, you know, kind of the broad (laughs) strokes, the broad outlines of it. Um, But that, or rather the political backdrop of it, combined with the fact that Mali begins the book in a state of not remembering. So he doesn't, he's not exactly sure not just what happened to him, but even fully who he is or who was in his life or what he did. And so the book picks up steam. And once you are on the ride, you really go along, you know, all the way. But I found that the first, it's not the first third, I think maybe the first fifth of the book, um, I, I had to kind of, the writing is beautiful, the character is intriguing, so it keeps you going. But I think that there was an initial I wouldn't call it a barrier. I think that there was just a, huh, I wonder where this is going. I wonder yes. what this is about. Yeah. Yes, I'd agree with you. Yeah, I think I think that's very true. I agree, actually. Um, maybe I'm coming at it also from, I have some familiarity, although by no means more than just a, a sort of knowledge of the LTTE and the conflict and what the different factions were. But um, I think because the... There's a fair amount of world building that happens in the beginning of the book because there's this afterlife that he describes. And I think in some ways, because I was so invested in that afterlife that he was describing and all the different uh, beings that make up this in-between world between life and death, I was willing to not be so stressed about, oh, but I don't understand who these, yeah. uh, you know, who these different people he's talking about are, um, which sides they're on, which part of the conflict they're referring to. Um, it is a big ask, though, I think, as a reader. Yeah. And, and perhaps it requires you to be both patient and also be okay with just not knowing some things. Um, this is a kind of book that I thought to myself, well, if I don't quite get it, it's okay. I'll look stuff yeah. up later. Yeah. I think that's very true. He does something very clever right at the beginning, and he creates a crib sheet for an ignorant journalist, and he gives a summary <laughs> of who is who in the conflict, and that's extremely useful. And it's very clever, and another author would have put that as a kind of um, a, a glossary at the end of the book, but he actually brings it in and makes it funny, and, uh, and that works extremely well. 
So you've both brought up funny and I wanted to um, highlight again, actually, this is an incredibly funny book. There were parts that made me laugh out loud. There were parts that I thought were just so witty in the way people speak to each other. And um, I was wondering whether the humour for you sat comfortably alongside some of the really difficult parts. Um, and, and I mean, yeah. because sometimes it often feels like you might think those things may not go together. But somehow for me in this book, I thought it was quite seamless the way he moved from very dark to very funny. Yeah, grotesque. I think, I think there's a lot of grotesquery in it, particularly with the two guys who are charged with getting rid of the dead bodies. Um, oh, um, Balal and Kutu. The garbage men. Yes. Oh my goodness yeah. me! And the scenes in the in the cemetery, and uh, the scene where they're getting rid of the chopped up body, and 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 so on. Oh my goodness! And yet it's funny at the same time. How come you're laughing? And there's this terrible thing happening, and that that goes through quite a number of um, the scenes as well. You know, the two things: the humor and the horror. Go, go together. And I think this is, a, on one level, it's a horror story. <laughs> you know, it's comedy, it's horror, it's a political thriller. My goodness. I wonder if it works because it's so consistent. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't, um, so it's not as if it's, it's chopping up and dismembering people, and then a uh, and then someone someone Pratt falls. You know, it's it's not that kind of juxtaposition of of horror and comedy. Instead, it's having a um, an unreliable narrator because Mali Almeida is a very unreliable narrator. So, I think it's yes. having an unreliable narrator who is very funny and who is also. I was going to say it's gallows humor, but it's beyond the gallows humor. <laughs> actually, you know. Whatever it is, past. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's exactly that. It's somebody facing death, and then after that, facing a fate that to him might be worse than death, which is to be forgotten and unseen. Um, and yeah. just constantly joking with that because he—that's that's how he was. Um, and that that humor, I think, is also there partly because Mali Almeida is a very difficult person but you know he he makes no bones about it he's he's not an easy person to be around and I I think that's all kind of part and parcel of the particular tonal quality of the book yes absolutely I think you're spot on there he's a master of one-line quotes as well this is these wonderful um quotes and you just want to take them out and put them on a t-shirt or something (laughs) my favorite one follow any turd upstream and it leads to a member of parliament (laughs) (laughs) i feel like a lot of malaysians would appreciate that on a t-shirt to be honest (laughs) but i do want to um, talk about both uh, the writing as well as mali almeida himself as a character Um, we will be back after this to continue our book club Uh, we're talking about last year's booker prize winner shehan karunathilaka's the seven moons of mali almeida let us know have you read it Uh, did you enjoy it you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9. 
the business station. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And this week we're joined by Sharon Baka. And together we're book clubbing last year's Booker Prize winner, Shehan Karnatilaka's The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida. So we've talked about uh, the story, the humor. Um, I wanted to get to the characters, um, particularly Mali himself. Uh, because, Lynn, earlier you said how he's an unreliable narrator. Um, I would add to that, he's often an unlikable character as well, um, which is not to say I dislike him. I actually greatly enjoyed Mali as a character. But he is one of those people that's, um, he's not a nice person. He's often quite awful to people. Um, and, and I wonder how you felt about that. I, I think, you know, one thing that he's looking for is to find out how he died and who killed him eventually. And then he wants to make sure his photos are out in the world. But I think also there is a personal mission. He does not realise it. He's a character who's very much in pain at the beginning of the book. He doesn't want to be reborn. He, in fact, tried to kill himself because he was so unhappy. And it's this unhappiness um, that spills over into his relationships. And the saddest relationship is really the one with his mother, Lakshmi, uh, who he blamed for the breakup with his father. So he's carried this anger and he's never let go of that anger. And then when he does find someone that he loves, Dee Dee, he treats him badly because he's unfaithful all the time. He screws everyone um, that he possibly can. You know, he, he defines himself as photographer, gambler, slut. And he truly is a slut, you know, <laughs> a man slut. <laughs> um, yes, treats him really badly. Um, the only person I think he's really quite good to is his friend Jackie you know but even her he has this odd sort of leading her on not quite defining what relationship and using her yes he uses her yes um for for quite a long way through yes I think you're absolutely right but I think there's a good side to him as well I think there's a real sympathy that he has with the people who are destroyed by by the war, the massacres and so on. There's real pity in him for these particular people, uh, many of whom he meets in the afterlife. I don't think it's a coincidence that he meets this ghost and this ghost and this ghost, you know. I think they're all deliberately part of his new journey to discover himself and who he was and to reconcile himself through those meetings. I think that there's a real beauty in um, reading about an unlikable character, partly because you get to enjoy somebody who is all those things, Sharon, that you just talked about. He's simultaneously apologetic and unapologetic about it. He's very sorry, but he would never change and he would never do any of it differently. And I don't know about the both of you, but that's not necessarily somebody I want in my life. Do I like reading about him, though? And do I like seeing the world through his lens? I really did. And I think that the being unapologetically himself, just doing what he did, knowing that it was selfish, but doing it anyway, there is a satisfaction in reading about somebody like that. And I think there is, um, in some ways, this is the oldest satisfaction of reading and storytelling, right? It's consequence. It's um, all, all stories are built on that, this idea of, well, you do this and then there's going to be a consequence. And this is why, you know, Aesop's fables. This is why all of it happens. It's because you, you tell people stories so they know supposedly what to do or not do. And Mali's story 
in a very different writer's hands in a very different, uh, you know, if it had been censored to Helen back, for instance, <laughs> yes. it would have been a completely, you know, completely different story. He, he yeah. would have repented. He would have, you know, sought yes. um, all sorts of ways in which he could redeem himself, redemption, but he doesn't do that. And um, I think all of that makes for a great story because you're reading about somebody who is thoroughly themselves and who even at the very bitterest of ends goes well I wouldn't have done it differently this is what I did but he I think there is some redemption in him because I think so too but it's not um, forced and I like that yes yes I mean at least he he says uh tell Ahmad that I blame Dada all right okay at least he's prepared to forgive his mother he's glad for Didi and um for Jackie at the end when they when they find um lovers when they both of them moved on and they they're beginning to find happiness again and he's a a much more calm less angry person at the end of the story as well finding himself helping others <laughs> who have passed away yeah i think there's also something to be said right for the fact that while he's while it's it's too forced to say he's a metaphor for what's happening in Sri Lanka, I think it's almost like the impact of living through this cannot but leave a mark on anybody. And I think um, who he is is inextricably tied with that history and the conflict and, and the decades of injustice and war that the country had been seeing. So in a way, the country is presented in the book as being as broken as he is. And what I loved about the ending, um, because I will confess there was a point where I teared up because the redemption in the ending for him, which isn't a complete, oh, now I'm elevated and I'm an angel sort of redemption, but the <laughs> very real redemptive arc that he goes through is also an acknowledgement of perhaps a kind of redemption for Sri Lanka to learn to appreciate what is still there. And that, I think, made me feel a little bit sad because obviously this book was written before Sri Lanka's current um, turmoil, which is more economic than than the previous one. Um, but it did make me think about the cyclical nature of these issues and how difficult it can be for history to uh, write its cause. So there's a lot going on in this book that is more than just one person's story. And I mean, it was such a rich read, but it did leave me feeling a little sad, I must say. Yeah, I wonder how many Sri Lankans will be able to buy the book. I mean, I, I remember Chehan Karunatilaka being interviewed um, after the, he won the booker and, you know, sort of saying, you know, well, people won't have the money to buy the book in, in, in Sri Lanka when there's so many difficulties even buying food and so on. It's a book I would wish in everyone's hands there. It's a book I hope Sri Lanka takes to its heart because I think it, there's a lot to talk about there. There's something to be said about taking a lesson from a book that doesn't feel moralizing. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and especially when you consider, uh, if we go back again to the central character, uh, who is described in terms that are, I think for 
you know, broadly, societally speaking, are less than flattering. There's a pleasure in reading about a person like this, in reading about a person like this in a country um, at a very specific moment in its in history, a very brutal moment in its history. And for you to come away, I think with a definite lesson, it's hard to read this book and not emerge from it feeling like your your brain just had a wash. It's sad, <laughs> but it, it's, it yeah. feels that way. Like you feel a bit, a bit clarified, but it's not a moral lesson. And I really, really like that because I think the temptation could have been there to to make it a moral lesson. But I also don't think this is that kind of story or that kind of writer. We've been talking about The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida by Shehan Karunatilaka. It won the Booker Prize last year. And so we thought uh, we would talk about it for this month's book club. Let us know. Have you read it? Did you enjoy it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. us to footnotes and Sharon Baka has uh, agreed to stick around because we thought we'd close off this conversation about last year's Booker Prize winner by talking about the rest of the long list uh, because uh, Sharon's been a very busy reader and she's actually gotten through most of the long list of titles so uh, we thought we'd uh, get some recommendations from her in terms of which ones she thought uh, we should pick up next. Okay, I read 10 out of the 13 books because I don't believe in reading too fast, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> though I've still got three more to enjoy later on, which I hope I do enjoy. Um, the other books that I absolutely loved on the um, long list, and, and I will say, actually, this year it's a very interesting um, long list. Um, I loved um, Audrey McGee's The Colony, I was so sad. Audrey McGee was in KL. She spoke at Lit Books and I didn't know about it. And I I swear I would have walked from Nilai to go and hear her talk <laughs> about, about her book. The Colony is a beautiful book set um, on an island off the coast of Ireland, um, a very insular, closed-off Irish community um, speaking Gaelic. And into this comes Lloyd, who is um, a London artist who is seeking to revitalize his flagging career. He comes to this island and sets up his easel and wants to paint the landscape. And later, there's another character called Jean-Pierre, who is a French linguist, who also comes. And the two men kind of lock horns very much. Um, and it's about their relationship and their relationship with the islanders. And um, the, the title, The Colony, is a little bit kind of ironic because uh, although um, Lloyd actually makes a mention somewhere about an artist colony, um, it's really um, a little bit about colonialism. And particularly um, Jean-Pierre has uh, was born in uh, North Africa, I think Algeria, and he found it so hard to settle back into France, to settle into France and was discriminated against. And so, you know, the theme of colonialism comes through there. But most of all, it's just so beautifully written, stunningly written. And 
Audrey McGee plays so beautifully with point shifting points of view and shifting perspectives. It's really worth reading. And until I read Seven Moons, this was the one I wanted to win the whole thing. <laughs> I'd also recommend Night Crawling, which is uh, Leila Motley, who wrote it, was 17 when she started working on it and just 20 when it was long-listed for the Booker Prize, which is quite extraordinary. It's about a girl who, because of poverty, is sucked into prostitution and then becomes embroiled in this police corruption and finds it impossible to get out of this incredibly difficult situation. But it's a very compassionate read and and beautifully written, absolutely beautiful, and the characters are so well realised. How can someone so young write so well? Another one I loved, and I think it shares some similarities with Seven Moons, is The Trees by Percival Everett. Again, it's a book with a big theme. It's it's really talking, it talks about racism and the lynching of black Americans, not just black Americans. Also, I didn't realize it, but a lot of um, Chinese Americans um, were lynched as well for no other reason than that they were of a different race and they were misunderstood. However, the story is actually, um, it, it's written as a crime novel. And not only that, it's kind of written as a spoof crime novel. It's hilarious. It's absolutely so funny. Um, there are There's a series of murders in this town called uh, Money in Missouri of white men. But every time a white man's murdered, there's a mysterious second corpse around. And the second corpse is of a black man. And later, when the bodies are taken to the morgue, the black body mysteriously disappears. And this happens time and again. And then it begins to spread to other parts of the US as well. Um, And it becomes an absolutely hilarious satire. And it's also very moving. There's one place where there's a whole list of names of people who were um, lynched in the US, Just, just name after name after name after name. And in the book, it's just page after page after page of names. And I found myself in tears by the end of it, you know, because here is a writer giving voice to people who've become invisible. Um, yeah, very, very moving. And I think in that way, it gives. Uh, it's quite similar to Seven Moons in that it sets out to illuminate these, um, these killings of very ordinary um, people who are just pawns in this bigger thing yes and one of my friends said once you will never find zombies on a booker long list that's why i don't that's why i don't like the booker prize oh there's zombies okay good i've given too much away there and then Catherine keegan's novella small things like these is absolutely beautiful it takes as its theme the magdalene laundry Um, scandal in in Ireland and this is about a coal merchant who finds out that women are being incarcerated by the Catholic Church these are women who had babies out of wedlock and these girls are being kind of imprisoned uh, within the church premises and he discovers his conscience and discovers his courage and it's a novella Um, that sort of feels more like a short story, actually. It's very short and beautiful. Again, beautifully written. 
So those are the books that I recommend the most. I did enjoy Elizabeth Strout's book, but it's not as good as some of her others. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sharon. Um, honestly, you make them all sound so... I'm going to say this um, quite honestly. I'm one of those that approaches these lists with a little bit of trepidation because often um, when you tell me slavery or, or, um, you know, the mistreatment of sex workers, I often have to think to myself, am I in the right space and and, uh, point in life to pick up a book like this? Um, But hearing you talk about them makes them feel readable um, and and worth sort of accessible. Yes. Yeah, there were others on the list I didn't enjoy quite so much. I, I really didn't like No Violet Bulawayo's Glory. Oh, uh, I was um, I was kind of thinking that one that one might be interesting. That's the one uh, yeah, inspired by Animal like Farm, it. right? Kind of, yes. I mean, I think it's clever and I think it's well done, but I was so glad when I finished it. I didn't enjoy it a bit, one bit, actually. But, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's going to react differently to, to the books and some... You know, one man's meat is another man's poison, isn't it? Yeah. Lynn, anything you're looking forward to picking up? I mean, I think Sharon gave us a pretty fulsome list. So I'm quite excited to get going. I mean, um, to be honest, a lot of the, the books on the long list last year sounded really interesting and actually very varied in their approach. So I think it was the variety that that made yeah. me... Um, both very interested, but also found it, uh, I was finding it difficult to kind of land on one and go, okay, this will be the one yeah. that I will read, you know? So I, I'm glad to have now a sort of curated, personalized <laughs> shortlist version of the long list. So I'll yeah. get going on that. How I do it is I start with the shortest <laughs> so that I can get it, get something finished quickly and then, you know, kind of build up to the longer books. And if I don't make it to the longer books, that's all right. Yeah. Sharon, thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you. We've been, uh, well, first we talked about last year's Booker Prize winner, The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida. And then Sharon shared um, her favourites from last year's long lists for the Booker Prize. Uh, let us know which ones have you read? What are your favourites? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.